0: Prediction? Yes,
1: prediction. You're now about to witness the strength of geek knowledge. Ha <laughs> So hello and welcome, that's right, you're trapped in Nerd Cage Live. I'm your co-host J. St. G, certified geek Seven days a week coming to you live from Syracuse, New York, and it is the year of our Lord and Savior Sylvester Stallone of 1982. 40 years ago, this was the best year due to the fact that he gave birth to the Rambo franchise in First Blood. But before that, he injected steroids to what made him famous in the Rocky franchise with Rocky 3. For better or for worse, Rocky 3 was a drastic change in direction for the franchise. For better, because of the fast paced action and high testosterone energy. But for worse, do the end of the dramatization of the series and what the dra- direction the franchise took moving forward with the next few entries. So, tonight, moderated by our moderator, Trillhammer Joe from Far on One Gaming, the warrior from Wakanda, Mark Withers, the most passionate Rocky 3 fan I know, is here to dig deep into what makes this franchise in this movie so fucking awesome so mark show them the strength of geek knowledge
0: absolutely what's up everybody super excited to be here as usual and yes tonight is a night that is 45 years in the making did i get that number right 40 years in the making yeah i'm jumping the gun a little bit because i'm that excited this is one of my favorite movies uh, of all time, I'm, I'm gonna say this. Uh, over the past few months, we have done a very deep dive into the Rocky Balboa character talking about all the all the different movies. Jay, I know the first Rocky movie is your first is yep. your favorite. Yep. but Rocky 3 is my absolute favorite because it actually introduced me to the franchise right around the time that it actually came out um i you know i was i was about 11 years old at the time uh, a little too young to see it in theaters but shortly thereafter i did catch it on cable and i was captivated by the character clubber lang brilliantly played by mr t and everything that surrounded that character and 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 all the other components uh having to do with that movie including the song Eye of the Tiger, which was a huge hit at the time. This was just a perfect storm when it it comes to blockbuster movies. And I can't wait to dig deep into this. But first, Joe, who do we have in the chat tonight?
2: In the chat tonight, we have Sunzilla 2008, Shay Smithers, and Scott Bannock. And I think we have a couple lurkers too, so don't be afraid to speak up. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh,
0: let's just go ahead and, and talk about this right from the jump here. Like I said, I did not see it in theaters, but I do remember the buzz around it. And it was massive. Now, of course, the first Rocky movie, and you know, as, we, as we've talked about in other episodes, was sort of a sleeping giant. It was this sort of underdog movie that had legs, that really uh, did big things, you know, made it all the way to the Oscars. Rocky II uh, actually took took that franchise, you know, took the took the all of the promise from the first movie and continued it, kept the ground running, and it turned out that they were uh, the producers began developing Rocky III before Rocky II was even wrapped. Uh, there's uh, articles going all the way back to 1979 that talk about. Uh, you know Sylvester Stallone writing the script and kind of forming like you know the initial uh, plot points for this third movie. Now, originally it was going to be a lot darker. It was planned to be the third in a trilogy in which Rocky Balboa dies. Yes,
3: uh,
0: it was meant to. It was this movie was originally meant to be sort of a gladiator movie uh, with Rocky sort of winning finally winning like a huge bout in uh in, in in Rome I think uh and uh and the origin in the original script Rocky would have died on his way home from the actual uh fight from the title fight yes.
3: um
0: but producers kind of kicked back on that uh Sylvester Stallone had time to kind of realize what fans actually wanted and then he just decided to completely rewrite the script and turn it into not so much a light-hearted uh movie but something that was a little more feel-good something that people could walk away from feeling like they had a champion that would con- that would continue his saga and you know he added some some lightheartedness into it. You know, of course, with Hulk Hogan, with you know, with some other comedic elements, uh, and then you know, basically created what we what we now know is sort of like the eighties kind of you know uh, excess, uh, you know, yes. blockbuster. Now, when this was released, yep. critics hated it, but this is probably my first memory of. Uh, the critic response and the fan response being completely different. This was a huge movie. I mean, we're talking a budget of $17 million and then uh, box office numbers capping about 270, right? Now, now for the time, that was massive. Like if you took those numbers today, that'd be like making a movie for $50 million and making 800 million on it. Exactly. So those, are, those are bigger margins than even, even Marvel has. You know, those are bigger margins than Warner Brothers. That was, that's how incredibly successful this movie was. And I mean, I could go on and on and on, but I want to give you guys a chance to talk about it. Jay, what was your first impression of this movie when you first saw it?
1: Well, before I get to my first impression, uh, Mark, I just want to say, I want to add a little something to what you just touched on earlier. You're talking about the theme of the movie and the feel-good vibe that this movie provided. So... The the theme that we're all familiar with, Eye of the Tiger. I was doing my homework today, just like what Mark Withers does every day. So apparently, the whole Eye of the Tiger theme represents—it's a metaphor for exactly what Sylvester Stallone was going through in real life. So was, again, Mark touched earlier, Stallone be, uh, became an Oscar winner with the first Rocky, and then of course he had a couple other—you uh, know—there was Nighthawks and the Fury. But anyway, Stallone uh, was peaking. And he started becoming complacent. I mean, he wasn't poor anymore. So, what we, so this whole Eye of the Tiger theme and, you know, all the excess that you talk about, Mark, well, that is actually a metaphor for exactly what Stallone was going through. And he wanted this movie to be the movie that brings his edge back. And right. damn right it did. As far as the first impressions, uh, I'm going to kind of echo the thing I said back in our Rocky Ranking discussion. If you guys haven't checked that out, please check that out. But anyway, my first impression, I'll never forget. I saw this movie on TV, on TBS. Back in the day, us 90s kids, we had movies for guys who like movies on TBS. Tonight, Rocky 3 <laughs> and, I, and I see dead meat and go for it. And, like, and, all, and then I, I see the punches fly. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to watch this. And I fell in love with the franchise. That's right, Rocky 3 was my first Rocky. This was my gateway into the franchise. Again, I was I was probably like 10, 11, 12 years old. I saw it on TV, and it was the coolest thing I ever seen in my life. Not only that this was the gateway to, to uh, Rocky, but this was my gateway for my love for the sport of boxing. And it all started with Rocky 3 And goddamn, this movie still holds up. And I know how people talk about how we talk about this as a hard turn for the franchise. We're talk. We're gonna talk a little deep. I still feel like this movie's just as deep as the first movie, and there's stuff we're really gonna get into tonight, and there's no stuff we're gonna get into on like Saturday for the watch party, man. Uh, but yo, Joe, I want to pass it to you. How do you feel about Rocky Three and your first impressions of it?
2: Uh, I, I love Rocky Three. I mean, this was boxing was still hot and heavy back back then, and you know, wrestling entertainment was in its infancy, so that was starting to gain traction, and I mean. You can't not go in this loving Hulk Hogan and Clever Lang and all the over-the-top greatness that was in this movie. It was just, it's a masterpiece still to this day.
1: Keyword over the top, but it works. Yes, and I think <laughs> but it, was it necessary. works. Listen, I'm always going to say the Rock, the first Rockies the best movie followed by the first Creed, but let's not sit here and pretend that the approach to rocky one and rocky two would have worked a third time especially in the year of our lord and savior 1982.
0: i agree i agree i think that they knew um that they had to pivot they had to go somewhere it couldn't just be pathos all the time you know just like kind of this sad tragic hero you had to show that you know he had a good you know five-year run of successes of like knockouts and where he'd be like, where he's like this bona fide champ and what happens to this guy when he's on top, you know, like, and, uh, and I think that they made the right decision, like changing the tone, um, because that was sort of the, you know, um, that, that was, that was sort of the, the, the vibe of the era. You know what I mean? It made sense to do it there as opposed to doing it, you know, the the way that like late seventies movies were done, which, you know, the majority of those were a little bit darker and a little bit grittier, but audiences were not really, um, not really feeling that in 1982. So it made sense for them to kind of, to kind of go that way.
2: Yeah, And I think that uh, making it lighthearted and, you know, a little over the top and everything for that time frame was a good direction anyway because it made the first two movies more impactful by doing by doing the other ones lighthearted like that
1: absolutely now before we break down some of the behind the scenes uh stuff i just want to say real quick um i want to touch base real quick on the opening montage okay so I've always said that Rocky II is a continuation of the first movie. Like, kind of like an extension of the first movie. If the first movie was four hours long, that's where Rocky II comes in. This felt like a sequel. And the thing I love about the opening montage, keep in mind, zero dialogue. Just music, which we're going to touch base on in just a few minutes here. But just music, no no dialogue. The movie explains Everything what rocky's been up to since he won the title and he's getting like all these endorsement deals he's knocking out uh opponents trying to take his belt which we'll get into later and of course it also at the same time introduces the villain without even like explain they just explain by showing this montage we don't get a proper they just show clubber lang training watching you know, getting pissed off watching Rocky's success and then going hard and training and he's winning his fights as well. So we're seeing the hero and the the rise of the hero and the rise of the villain at the same time, no dialogue. Talk about a brilliant way of just ex- giving both of these men backstory without actually giving them a backstory, if that makes any sense at all.
0: I agree. I mean, what a brilliant way to just sort of streamline that part because, you know, you do have these, you know, these two primary characters and you need to have some way to explain who the villain is, not even the villain, but like, let's say the, his opponent, you need to explain who he is, where he comes from, what he's about, what this means to him and You know, instead of bogging down the first act with all of this information, you know, we get a nice montage that sort of explains all that so that when there is dialogue, it just jumps right in. You know, like I just, I thought that was so smart. I didn't realize that when I was a kid, but looking at it, watching it as an adult, you can kind of like see how brilliant that was and how much thought and care was put into that, just that moment.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Joe, anything you want to add before we have Mark go to the behind the scenes? Um, I I
2: agree that just having music alone with all the scenes they had on the screen and everything, it's just, it it goes to show how you don't really need to tell a story to tell a story. All you you really need is to put that visual aspect out there and your mind will create the rest. Agreed.
1: Well said, Joe, well said. All right, Mark. So one of my favorite things about doing lookbacks with you is again the strength of geek knowledge that you bring, and you know you always dig deep and you always find these little nuggets that just make me go, oh wow. So tonight, again, we're, we are unscripted. Mark, take take us to some of the behind the scenes, man. Okay,
0: so um, I think I touched on on this a little bit when you know when we first started the show, but basically, you know, Stallone started writing this script in 1979. Uh, right around the time, actually, probably earlier than that, you know, it was during the time that Rocky II was still filming, you know, and, uh, you know, the studio had full faith in, in a third movie, so much so that they secured the roles of almost everybody. And uh, the only component that was missing was Clubber Lang. Now, originally, they were eyeing Joe Frazier to play Clubber Lang. Now, those for those of you that are too young to remember, Joe Frazier was a championship boxer. He he went up against Muhammad Ali. I mean, he was he was the real deal, and he was from Philadelphia.
1: And he beat Ali.
0: He, and he beat Ali. Right. And, you know, a lot of, you know, Rocky is essentially based on a character based on a boxer named Chuck Webner. But a lot of the things that Rocky did in the first two movies were based on things that Joe Frazier did. So it made sense to have Joe Frazier come in and be the main adversary. But the reason that fell apart and a lot of people don't know this is that Joe Frazier has a stuttering problem. And so, when they went, in, you know, when they initially started doing screen tests and started working with him, it, it it was apparent that he wouldn't be able to deliver the dialogue properly, and so they decided to go another way. So they reached out and uh, and secured another boxer named uh, Ernie Shavers. Um, I believe that was his name, but he was he was another like world class boxer. Um, But the problem with him was that his voice was actually really high pitched and they believed that he wouldn't be (laughs) menacing enough as Clubber Lang. And so they began this huge nationwide search to find the right person to play this this guy
1: and Mark, um, before you the, get to that i just want to point out that it wouldn't have made sense at all to put joe Frazier in the movie because joe Frazier was in the first rocky movie. that was
0: another thing yes that was another thing i don't know if they were planning on like having him play himself or do, do I, I don't know what the original plan was but you know Thank God that fell apart because, yeah. <laughs> you know, they, you know, I, it, it's good the way that, that the stars align the way that they did. Now
2: getting back, it's funny, that, back... You it's funny mm-hmm. that you mentioned the high-pitched voice thing because little did they know who one of the biggest boxers in the world would be and what his voice. Felt
0: like. <laughs> <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were going to say something like that because that was my first thought too. Is like, oh no, he wouldn't be believable and as you like you know.
1: Clever Lang is basically is what, legitimately what, what was what, yes. what Tyson was in the, the 80s and early 90s. Right. Uh, same with same with George Foreman. George Foreman was also another heavyweight boxer that was knocking people left, knocking people out left and right that everybody was scared of. Fraser was that guy too. So absolutely he was. Yeah. So Clever Lang is kinda like an amalgamate of like of of, of it's kind of like a pre pre-town of of Mike Tyson, but it was also kind of retelling uh, George Foreman's story a little bit, too, if
0: you think about it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the Clever character is sort of like an amalgam of of all of the baddest fighters of the 70s. You know what I mean? Like, and so it made sense to have, to have, like, you know, the person who ended up playing that character play him, right? So, so getting back to that story. Uh, the casting directors were sort of looking everywhere to try to find this character. They even went to different prisons throughout the country to try to find like prison boxers and find someone who, would, who was really a good fit, that was believable, that could act. And it just happened that um, the uh, Rhonda Young, who was the main casting director, was watching a show on NBC called The World's Toughest Bouncer. And there was a guy on there that was basically just dominating the show It was a huge competition at the time. Uh, I was part of the games, people play series. That was, that was a big deal at the time. And there was a boxing segment and he dominated the other fighter. And when he was interviewed, the, the commentator asked him, well, do you have any hate? Do you have any hate in your heart? Do you have any anything against your opponent? Why did you beat him so badly? And, This guy said, well, I don't actually hate the guy. As a matter of fact, I pity the fool. And when he said that, Rhonda Young knew that she had the right guy. And that guy turned out to be a guy named Lawrence Thoreau who who would later become well-known as Mr. T.
1: And
0: that is how we got Clever Lang.
1: Oh my God, Mark. Well, you know what, this Mark, I'm giving you this here.
3: That was well
1: said, that was well said, I couldn't say, we're going unscripted people, Mark just pelted that out <laughs> yes. Just
0: doing the best of what I remember
1: Man, yes, Clubber Lang, talk about, talk, talk, I can't think of a better introduction to an actor who's never done anything before Talk about in the, a debut to remember, Mr. T and everything just exploded, whatnot. Um. Now listen, I know we want to touch base on Eye of the Tiger, but before you, we get to Eye of the Tiger, Mark, just, just, just talk about the the Mr. T fallout. And I'm talking about the past, the, the the giant fallout that was Mr. T that just ruled everywhere in the '80s. I wasn't alive to remember, so please, just. I give mean. Us a taste of what it was when Mr. T exploded onto the scene after this movie.
0: I mean, the th- yeah. The thing about Mr. T was that he was just very different from anybody that we had ever seen before. I mean, even in the trailers, like before the movie came out, like you first, the first thing you saw was that mohawk. You know what I mean? You just saw this behemoth with like this weird looking hair, and and he just would, and he just looked terrifying, but at the same time, just like so awesome, and. On the strength of that movie, he was just everywhere. I mean, he just, he had... Uh, uh cartoon he had uh, he made appearances on different shows he was on different strokes yep. the you know he got another TV show out of it the A Team and yep. I mean he was literally everywhere he had an album out you know a what? lot of people don't know that he had like records out you know what I mean we like and so
1: trained by Ice <laughs> T which we yes. learned from our friend Ernie C last week.
0: That's right. That's right. Ernie yeah yep. Ice yep. T actually helped him rap for his record. Yes. You know what I mean? But like he was just he he was just a, like such a formidable like such a fresh character and so like formidable you know what i mean and he, he just like he was he was the guy that you as a little kid wanted to grow up to be yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. it was just it was just an incredible it was just an incredible time because you really don't see um you know actors like Larger than life like that anymore. Like maybe The Rock, but I mean, Mr. T was at that time probably like a bigger star than The Rock well, yeah, than the was. Yeah, and
1: on top of that, similar to The Rock, he was also in wrestling. He ended up being Hulk Hogan's tag team partner in the eighties, if I'm not mistaken. I, you know, I watched wrestling when I was a kid, but before my time, when Hulk Hogan's peak, uh, his tag team partner was Mr. T, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, and also. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll move on to the eye of the tiger after this but uh um recently there was a podcast and I hate to end Mr. T's uh segment on like a sour not a sour note but on a slow note but uh, unfortunately to this day Mr. T is still mad at Sylvester Stallone uh, for underpaying him if I'm not mistaken he was paid I don't know if it was 30000 or $40,000 I think it was I want to say it was $40,000 which, at the time, coming from where he came from, that was a lot of money. But due to the success of the movie, it, it just wasn't enough. And and so, anyway, Mr. T's daughter, uh, I forget the, the woman's name, but she was on a podcast with Godfrey. I, by the way, I'm a huge Godfrey fan. But mm-hmm. Godfrey's podcast, uh, she, they interviewed Mr. T's daughter, and she was talking about that. Like, yeah, uh, he, he still, to this day, is mad at Stallone, and it's all because of the money. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate I hope they make it up someday, because I would love to see Mr. T in an Expendables movie. I would like to see Mr. T and Stallone on screen yeah. one more time. So I hope they find a way to fix it. I hope Stallone pays them more money. I don't know. Whatever. i like to see them back together again. But, but to this day, I guess, uh, despite the success from Rocky Three, Mr. T is still mad at uh, Sly Stallone.
0: I would love to see Mr. T in one of the Creed movies going forward. That yes. would just be a huge, huge win for me Like if, if that happened.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we talked about earlier, as, so the theme of the movie is Eye of the Tiger. And uh, I can't think of anyone better to like take us deep into Survivor's biggest hit. The only thing I'll, I'll add before Mark gets started here, uh, does anybody know what song Stallone wanted to be the theme for the movie to be? I think Mark already knows, but go ahead.
0: Are we Are we waiting for the chat? Or are we waiting for me? Uh, because I want to see if I want to see if anybody knows. Does anybody
1: in the chat? know? that's a good one. Does Anybody <laughs> in the chat know what song that Stallone wanted the theme song to be? I'll, I'll give you a big hint. It's the most iconic line of all time. Let me repeat that. It's the most iconic baseline of all time. Come on. Someone's got to know. That's, come on, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll, boy. I'll give you a hint, guys. It's from Queen. Come on. Anybody.
2: <laughs> I know what it is now that you said that. Yeah. <laughs> all
1: right.
0: All right. No one knows. So, Joe, why don't you why don't you tell them what the what the song actually was that Stallone originally planned to have as the theme for Rocky Three?
2: If I'm correct on that hint, I believe it was another "One Bites the Dust." Thank you. There you go. <laughs> there it is. Yo, yes.
1: Another "One Bites the Dust." Yup. <laughs> yep. So yes, there you go, guys. That was Stallone was hooked on that song. He was hell bent. I'm getting that song for the movie. But there was one problem. The record label wouldn't let it happen. Therefore, Mark, go ahead and tell him what song wind up on the movie.
0: Yeah, so, so yeah, so I don't know how to approach this story. Um, let's start with that. So Stallone really liked Queen's Another One Bites the Dust. In fact, when they would watch dailies of the fight scenes, they would actually time it to that song so that like the hits would actually match like the drum beat and stuff like that. And the way that they moved in the ring would, would sort of like match the rhythm of it. He just kind of like felt that there was something kind of perfect about that for the movie. So he tried as hard as he could to get the publishing rights for that for, or to get the licensing for it. And uh, the label said no way. So uh, it happened that there was this band Survivor I mean, that uh, was from the Chicago area. They had about three albums out and they had a song on the radio at the time called Poor Man's Son and Stallone had heard this song and uh, asked for a meeting with their guitarist. So, you know, Stallone and Paterik met and uh, uh, Stallone explains to him, you know, the basic uh, plot points of the movie. Uh, I think he showed him a little bit of the movie and then basically played this, you know, played Another One Bites the Dust with, with one of the fight scenes and explained to him what I need you to do is write a song that is similar to Poor Man's Son with the same energy and the same tempo as Another One Bites the Dust. And the result was Eye of the Tiger, which was originally a song that Survivor was already writing. Uh, and I think it was called Survival originally but they um played around with the lyrics because it just happened that uh the first part of the chorus actually matched um you know it, it actually worked out to where it, they could make it they could make it rhyme with eye of the tiger and so they changed the, the title of the song and released it as a part of the film another another fun fact before i even finish finish that part out another fun fact is that uh the song from karate kid you are the best was actually also considered to be the theme for this um but uh advilson you know wanted that for karate kid Um, And then another another fun fact is that Eye of the Tiger was also being considered for the movie Flashdance, which was set to be released that same year. But the producers of that movie ended up ended up going with the song Maniac as the main theme. And so it just things just kind of worked out perfectly all around. And we got all of these like hit songs from soundtracks, which kind of kicked off the era of like big movie soundtracks, in my opinion.
1: On top of that, Mark, I think you're the one who told me this when we were when, back in the day when we were prepping for our Rocky uh, countdown, but didn't you tell me that the version of Eye of the Tiger you hear in the movie was actually the demo, not the actual final recording. Am I correct?
0: That's correct. So they had, a, they had done a demo um, you know, just recorded a demo right around the time that Stallone had asked them to write this. Now, there's a different version that appears on their album that has, I think it's slightly longer, um, and then there's like other instrumentation in it, the slightly different in- instrumentation, but Stallone liked the version that they actually came up, you know, the, the initial demo version and decided he wanted that in the movie. And so that version that we all know from Rocky III, and I believe the version that we hear on the radio from time to time is actually from the original demo.
1: Okay, that's freaking awesome. So, I got a perfect segue into our next segment here. So, again, as I said earlier in the look back, that I the Tiger is the same theme of the movie. And it's a metaphor for what Stallone was going through in real life, meaning he was coming complacent. He wanted his edge back. And boy, did he get his edge back. Because Sylvester Stallone in this year, in this movie, was in the best shape he ever was. at at any time in his life now listen i know he got bigger like bulked up even bigger and later on especially i believe in 1987 when he was prepping for rambo 3 he was huge but that's when he started using hgh but in rocky 3 it was all natural and he did it in a three month period they filmed rocky 3 in three months three months they filmed rocky 3 and in those three months sylvester stallone trained Six days a week with a very strict diet and some insane conditioning, is, is, which is why you see that that transformation that you see in the movie is real. And it's fascinating. And I'll, I'll even add, it's also inspirational. So, yeah, I want to take a little deep dive into the workout regime that Stallone was going through. So, men, take your notes. Titan Goji, I hope you're here right now. So, check it out. <laughs> for real, Sylvester Stallone from Rocky 2 to Rocky 3, he lost 30 pounds. He went from 195 to 165. His um, um, body fat percentage went from 14%, ready for this? To 2.8. All right, and I'm getting this shit from uh, Viking Samurai on YouTube. All right, Stallone did not eat any red meat. He only ate oatmeal cookies, 25 cups of coffee a day with honey in it, and some protein supplements. So, on top of that, Stallone was a Stallone was trying to compete with Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was jealous of Arnold Schwarzenegger's physique. So, um, for anybody who knows their bodybuilding history, Franco Colombo trained Stallone for Rocky III when it came to bodybuilding. So yes, Franco Colombo, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago, who was like one of the biggest bodybuilders, Mr. Olympia. He was Mr. Olympia before Arnold was, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, Franco uh, Colombo weightlifted with Stallone. On top of all that intense weightlifting for, um, again, six days a week for three months straight, Stallone sparred 15 rounds every day after he was done weightlifting and ran three miles every morning. So yes, so you can kind of think Arnold Schwarzenegger because he gave Stallone motivation, like, hey, I can't let this guy one up. So, right, it's just amazing. And that, and that
0: was the beginning of the rivalry, I'm yes. sure.
1: That was yeah. the beginning of the rivalry. And I just got to pull up a picture here on my phone. I'm sorry, I'm kind of like reading notes off my phone right now. So the workout routine that he did, uh, I got to find a screenshot here. So, whoops, that's not the right one. Okay, here we go. So it looked like uh, Monday was chest and shoulders in the morning, and then at night was arms and abs. Tuesdays in the morning, back workouts, and then uh, in the afternoon on Tuesdays, leg workouts. Wednesday, chest and shoulders in the morning, abs at night. Thursday, uh, arms in the morning, abs at night. Uh, Friday, leg day in the morning, back at night. And then Saturday, chest and shoulders in the morning and abs at night. And then Sunday was his rest day. And uh, he didn't, uh, apparently he didn't, now it hasn't been confirmed or denied if he had any, if that was his cheat day or not. But I will say this. This is a good one. So Mr. T was also training his ass off during the movie as well. So when filming wrapped up, both Stallone and Mr. T wanted ice cream. They wanted ice cream, <laughs> and the funny part was when they got, they finished filming, and they ran to like you know the break room or whatever they were, uh whatever facility that they were they were in. There was no more ice cream. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so Wire yes, one.
1: that that's the base. That's the work. The extreme workout regime. So again, what you see that body transformation that you see is real he's 165 pounds all natural um and let me just see some of these pictures here um again he got ripped again franco colombo trained him um he did some um you know there's some here's some check out these behind the scenes pictures look at that he did this when he was they were filming the fight there was a real handstand he was really he really did that handstand there and again um uh this was like a dangerous workout routine It, it wasn't There were people telling him he shouldn't do this because it was dangerous, but he did anyway. So just to show you, Stallone, still to this day, one of his hardest working men in Hollywood. He puts his body on the line for all his movies.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, hearing uh, an interview with him uh, maybe like a year, year and a half ago, and someone had asked him, like, hey, what was the what was the one movie that you were in the best shape of your life for? And, you know, and they were expecting him to say something much later, you know, like one of the Rambo movies or something from the nineties, maybe The Specialist or maybe, you know, something like that. And uh, he, he said, undoubtedly it was Rocky III. He said that was the best shape he could ever been in his entire life.
1: Absolutely. All right. So kind of like what we did back in November when we did the, the look back for Rocky One. We're gonna break down all the main characters, but before we do that, this would not be a Nerd Kids Live look back if we didn't talk about our favorite scenes. That being said, Joe from Fallen Gaming, I want you to go first. Go ahead and name some of your favorite scenes of the movie.
2: Uh, my very favorite scene of the movie, I believe, will probably be the scene with Thunderlips. <laughs> so, no, I, I, I'm sorry, I have, kick. <laughs> I have to go there. I have to go there. I was on a wrestling kick when I first saw the movie. So, I mean, it's it's just great. <laughs> I mean, the humor and everything in it, and you can see where they were going with it. It's just, it's awesome.
1: Any, any more besides <laughs> the Thunderlips?
2: Um, I, I did like, uh... Some of the stuff with with Apollo and everything, and uh, that that was pretty good. The the little thing you keep playing in the uh, in in your uh, intro there with them <laughs> dancing around in the water <laughs> that was pretty funny it's too. Romance,
1: so. baby. It's romance. <laughs>
2: exactly. So <laughs> those two stick out to me in my mind. All
1: right, <laughs> hey, Mark Withers, I'm dying to hear what what are some of your favorite scenes?
2: Getting
0: out while you can. Don't give this fool a little statue. Give him guts! That is the far and away the best scene in the whole movie. Hey this, woman, is, this is what hey introduced... Woman. Right? <laughs> I bet you ain't never had no real man. No, that was far and away the best scene. I mean, you know, this introduces us, you know, to Mr. T. You know, his first lines ever delivered, really. You know, it shows us really... Um, you know who clubber lang is you know and shows us his courage to really just step to step to rocky you know after being sort of evaded you know as far as getting a title match despite being the fact that he's ranked number one he's like i'm number one that means the best but he won't fight me you know i just really i
1: i i don't want to take it there but i want to take it there just a little bit but there's a line that he says And I I didn't really pick it up until I, 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 for a record, I just rewatched Rocky Three on Sunday. Mm -hmm. There's a, a, if you listen closely, there's a line that he said that really, oh, my God, I don't know if if he improvised it or Stallone wrote that in there. But before he goes on his tangent, all right, he says, politics, man. The people at Up Top don't want a guy like me to have the title okay yep. if you want to dig deep to what that translates to i ain't gonna go there but you know what that translates yeah. to absolutely they prefer to have a sucker like you up top instead of a man like me like you yep. damn he went there he went yeah there. like wow and the sad thing is it's actually kind of in nowadays even today in, in any sport in, in boxing or mma it's kind of true there is a unfair favoritism that goes on uh, when they, when there's, when there's, when the media and the people and the promoters, if there's, if there's a fighter that they like for whatever reason, mm-hmm. they want to keep him up top, and they don't want somebody else to take that spotlight. And Mr. T right. right. said that. Right. Like, damn. Yeah. That's that's po- yeah. that's powerful shit right there. Okay. I think this movie, <laughs> there's a lot more deep stuff in this movie that, that I want to break down, and that's one of them that you brought that up, you
0: know well I I I also think that it was sort of a throwback to um to Ali's time you know in the in the 60s when he first won the title from Sonny Liston and you know he started becoming like really outspoken against Vietnam and about uh you know other other political things that were happening civil rights movement and stuff like that and uh you know the powers that be didn't like that and they made sure that his title was stripped away from him and he was very vocal in the same way about those things right and he would say like oh yeah you know this country just wants to keep a person like me down and they want they want someone else who can be a puppet to be the guy on top and i think that that's really what they were sort of um paying homage to yes. if you know for lack of a better word yeah. they were sort of like giving ali his props without him really being in the movie which i thought which i think is really smart writing also
1: yeah and on top of that in and you know rocky doesn't have an idea that he's being propped up like that he didn't even know that the 10 now listen i'm gonna i always say this now we're going way off topic but this is why we do this so, like, <laughs> But no for real though i i don't care when you're a heavyweight and you defend your title 10 fucking times, I don't care right. if those are fixed fights or not, that's impressive because oh, when, you yeah. fight, when you're a heavyweight, like you are taking a risk, okay? It's not like other divisions where like, yeah, they pick these bums on the street, you know, when you get hit by a lightweight or a middleweight, the punches don't hurt. But when you get hit right. by a heavyweight, no matter how skilled they are, that shit hurts. So, you know, whether these were hand-picked fights or not, the fact that he defended his title 10 times is impressive in my book. But that's not how Mr. T looked at it. You know, he's like, right. you're, thinking, you're fighting all the bums. And like I said, Rocky, in his defense, didn't know that. Mickey said, it was my job to keep you healthy. To protect you. To keep you winning because the fight with Creed should have killed you. It didn't. Yep. And right. that's just another thing. It's like, you could empathize for Rocky. Like, yeah, he's up top. But like, Mr. T is right for what he said, but it's not. At, it's but it's not Rocky's fault. Obviously, Mr. T doesn't know that. You know, he probably doesn't know that Rocky knows or not. You know. So like, so when yeah. you see Miss you know, Stolo- or Rocky come to realize, like he goes, <laughs> I need this fight. Then I, I can't I can't go on. I can't retire knowing that you propped me up right. these last ten fights. I can't. You know and that's that's just the fighter side of rocky like that's just a net net that's just him being a fighter like i can't retire knowing this you know yeah which is also a powerful scene when he sits sits down with mickey come on nick one more and he's like this is one of my favorite scenes too and he's like he's like he's like no rock we don't need it and he's like if you don't i'm gonna tell everybody you haven't changed your underwear in 10 years and he's like oh (laughs) you would wouldn't you (laughs) <laughs> that's
0: good stuff man
1: okay um uh, mark any other of your favorite scenes besides uh the uh besides clubber lang's uh brash introduction there when he the statue scene
0: so i also like the scene on the beach with adrian where rocky sort of confesses to her that he's afraid mm-hmm. and that's why he won't you know He won't step up his game when Apollo's trying to train him because he, you know, he's sort of every day sort of reliving the beating that he took from Clubber. You know what I mean? And Rocky's MO up to this point has been to lead with his face because he's just, he's that tough. You know, his his method has just been to outlast the other fighter. And this is a guy that he could not uh, outlast. And what happens to a guy who's, who, whose tactic doesn't work after it's worked for five years straight, you know? Um, and and uh, I think that's a very telling moment about the character who's always putting up this brave face, you know, like this, this very strong front for everybody else. And he just kind of lets himself be very human in that moment. And then Adrian is the one that steps up, even though she, all this whole time, she has not wanted him to fight. Steps up and 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 tells him that that he needs to get past this in order to win or in order lose. not win or lose. I'm still with you, but you need to you need to face this. Yep. And I I just thought that was a really powerful moment, probably the most powerful scene
1: in the movie. And I want to add to that scene too. Uh, talk about a character. We're gonna get into it a little bit, but talk about a character progression of age You know, going from the shy woman who you know covered up and now she's motivating Rocky to fight. Talk about a you know character transformation we see it in this movie and it's it's fascinating it really is. I always said that you know Rocky the whole franchise is a character driven story and we we follow these characters closely. Alright so my favorite scenes Um, man I hate to echo everything Joe just said but the, I know the scene serves no purpose. I understand. You could take the scene right out, and it doesn't change anything. But goddamn, do I love the Thunderlips fight! It's just <laughs> so goddamn funny. Okay, just the just the little the, all the exchanges there. You know, how much you think he eats? About two hundred and two pounds. And
0: then like <laughs> weighing in at about yeah. two hundred and ten pounds. <laughs>
1: add on top of that uh, Rocky, remember the neighborhood? <laughs> and he's trying to, he's like running from, he's literally running away from, from Hulk Hogan and Polly's just trying to motivate him like, do you remember the neighborhood Rock? And then and then Mickey's out there saying, get out of his way! <laughs> it's so funny because like what the fuck is he supposed to do? Like, like Hulk Hogan's like 6'8", 350 pounds and Stallone's a small man like what is he supposed to do so that's what makes that scene so goddamn funny and then I guess my other favorite scene I mean I'm not gonna go with I mean, obviously I like the fights but if I'm taking some of the dramatization um man I I I guess okay I gotta, I gotta dig deep one more time before we start breaking down the characters here but it actually resonated a little deeper on upon a rewatch but the scene where the, the first fight between rocky and clubber and apollo creed comes in to greet the fighters and then you it's funny at the same time and at the same time it's not so apollo has a confrontation with clubber Land. right and he go and he goes over to shake his hand and he slaps his hand and says I don't want no has been hanging out in my corner. You better get that face before I knock it off. What? Come on, Creed. Jump. Jump. Like, I love that shit. Yeah. Like, here's what that makes this scene special, okay? Because uh, Apollo, you know, Apollo was a fine champ. He was class personified when he won the title, he cared about how he was perceived. It didn't matter. Right. Who his fans were. He wanted to be liked by everybody. He wanted the media to like him. You know, he wanted, like, you know, he shook everybody's hand. He kissed the baby. He did whatever it takes. His image was everything to him. So when he met Mr. T, that very moment, you see the look on his face, and that tells me everything. That tells me right there that the reason why Apollo trained Rocky to beat him is because he didn't want... A man, like, he didn't think Mr. T, Kleber Lang, had, had it in him to behave like a people's champion. Right. I think that's, I know he never said it, but the look on his face tells me everything, and that's how I break it down, is that it wasn't so much he wanted to help Rocky, he didn't want Mr. T, Kleber Lang, to represent boxing, you know, as as the champion and behave the way he does, the way he conducts himself. He didn't want to stand for that because Apollo was the exact opposite. He was the people's champion. Everybody loved him. He he lived by an example. He was a role model. Clever Lang is not.
0: Right. <laughs> and that's right. Why I think and, that's,
1: I, and yeah, go ahead.
0: I, and and I agree. And I agree with you. I mean, he never really reveals his motivation in the movie. Never, at least not verbally. But when Rock asks him, you know, why are you doing this? And he basically says, "I have my own reasons." And I think that I think that you nailed it. I think in that moment he saw that, like, okay, like this guy cannot be allowed to to be the reigning champion. Yes. Like, you know, Rocky has to get back on top, and I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make sure that happens. So, yeah, that's that's pretty astute observation.
1: Yeah, and the reason why I like this the scene so much now upon a rewatch is because again we talked about how Rocky 3 was like the high testosterone action movie and were that was a moment that was a deep drama moment that was a, like a deep like Rocky one moment like I still think Rocky 3 look hard enough it's it still has that drama like the first two movies did
0: so, yeah definitely nice.
1: all right so let's break down the characters everybody so let's start with Rocky um I got it I got it all listed here so Okay, so Rocky, okay, so this is what's fascinating about Rocky in this, in this this version of Rocky is this is really the first time we see Rocky off the top because Rocky 1, Rocky 2, he was still the dude from the neighborhood. Now he's famous. How does he handle fame? Like, how does he handle all the access? How does he, like, carry himself? And how does he, he becomes a good ambassador? And he's rich now. We didn't see that before. So yeah, in Rocky 2, he had a lot of money that he won, but he burnt through it quickly. Now he's got all the money he could ask for. And we see like the endorsements, the Muppet Show, the Um, you know, he does the the wrestling match, the exhibition fight for charity. You know, he's doing he's doing everything that he'd never ever dreamed of. He's got his own motorcycle, like a mansion. You know so it's fascinating and then i like and then on top of that we see him he's not training at the old gym anymore now he's training in this facility where he's got the media there and the the band playing the rocky theme and the bubbles and the and the women kissing him on the cheek like like we see a different rocky and it's like okay so this is the rocky that loses his edge but eventually gains it back um it's just an awesome progression. We we see him go up top and then back down to earth, and I think it's a really cool um, arc, story arc of Rocky in this movie. Mark, what do you got on the Rocky's character in this movie?
0: I, I don't think that we give uh, Sylvester Sylvester Stallone enough credit as a writer. I, I think that um, it was really smart uh, and sort of intuitive of him to sort of use Rocky III to write about himself. I mean, he's he has said in subsequent interviews that um, Rocky's arc, at least in the first act of the movie, was about, was really about his real life and his sudden, uh, you know, his sudden rise to fame and what that meant to him. And, you know, that sort of, loss of the eye of the tiger like you know what what you were talking about at the beginning of of this show um all of the things that we see rocky doing kind of not taking his training seriously kind of not you know um not really um striving to to become stronger to become better Um, just really like letting the fame and letting the success go to his head. These were all things that's, that Stallone himself experienced. And he was realizing that about himself and he used this, this script, this sort of rewriting of the original script as a way to sort of pass, you know what I mean? Like get past that and sort of like self-actualize. And I, I think that, um, creating this version of Rocky Balboa was a smart move and, and actually, you know, really frames everything that comes after it. You know what I mean? Including, you know, what happens with Donnie in the Creed movies, you know, like a lot of the stories that happen in those two movies come from this movie. You know what I mean? So, so um, yeah, so I I really enjoy, although, you know, you really can't top the Rocky character from the first movie. Like that, that version of Rocky has so much heart, but this one I think um, feels like a like a natural progression. Oh, this yeah. is what would happen to a person who was in that situation, who would just suddenly become super famous. Yeah,
1: so awesome. yeah. All right, good night, Paul. Thanks for stopping in. Uh, Adrian, uh, again, we see progression with her too again, we touched on it earlier, she she was started off as this shy woman who, you know, felt uncomfortable being in the man's apartment, this, this, and that, and now you know, she's she's living a good life now, you know, rich. she's rich and famous, and you know, obviously she's got her hair done, and this, this, and that, and now um, you know, we something that I wish they kind of delved in a little bit more, but you know, she has her little jealous moment when Rocky gets to kiss on the cheek. I kind of wish right. they went a little deeper with her character when she reacted like that. They kind of, like, rushed over that scene. Uh, I'm wondering if there's, like, you know, stuff that was didn't make the cut, cutting room floor. But, mm-hmm. again, as we touched on earlier, as you said, one of your favorite scenes there, which she's, she says, hey, you gotta take this fight, uh, you know, or, or else you'll regret it, you know, and like I said, I like the progression that she's, she's no longer the shy woman, she's you know, she's trying to motivate her husband and she wants her husband to go out on top win, win lose, or draw. And that's just a fascinating uh, character progression of uh, Adrian. Now, what do you got on uh, Adrian, Mark?
0: I, I I would echo that sentiment. Um, I think that really the strength um, really, like, throughout the franchise up until you know, obviously Rocky Balboa, is that um, Rocky and Adrian really are, um, are, are necessary for each other. They bring out the strength in each other. And um, just like we see Rocky's you know, rise to success and him becoming a champion, we see Adrian kind of go from this meek, kind of unassuming person to really the, 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 the strength, the backbone behind Rocky. You know what I mean? Like he wouldn't be where he is without her. And even when he loses everything, she's the one that convinces him that he needs to keep going. And um, you know, I, I've always I've always been a huge fan of Adrian, and just and I think that the way that Ta- the way that Talia Shire has played her throughout the years has just been so wonderful, so believable. You know, I mean, she she just truly embodies the character, and and I've I've appreciated her for all these years.
1: Absolutely, and the uh, keeping it within the family here. Polly, again, I always love that you said, Mark, <laughs> that Burt Young is the unsung hero of the franchise. Absolutely. Now he definitely has his stupid moments in the movie. We'll definitely get to, probably get to more in the watch party, but. Let's just say I, <laughs> for starters, I'm just gonna say I just love the beginning, where he's drunk and he destroys the Rocky uh, pinball machine, and like <laughs> I just, <laughs> and then he gets arrested, and he tries to fight Rocky in the parking lot, and as soon as he doesn't have any punches to throw, he's just like, can I have a job? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> right all you had to do was ask
1: uh, it's a, you know it's just a funny moment and like i don't know it's just the uh the funny thing is i feel like paulie's the one character that wasn't changed from the fame like right. he's still the same asshole that he was in the first movie. he is in this movie even though right you know rocky hires him and he's living in his mansion he's still that same fucking asshole. <laughs> and he definitely yeah. has some stupid moments um in there but they're uh uh well i'll point out in the watch party but uh you know where he's just like rocky i don't like these people and then rocky's like well they probably don't like you either He's he's like well, what do i do to them <laughs> and so right like, oh, <laughs> but you no know i love about that scene too mark is that what's that watch apollo's reaction. Apollo throws his equipment down and he's like ready to throw hands. (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: And I don't blame him. And then you know, and then and then like you know, Adrian and Rocky intervene. Like, look, he needs. It takes like six years to know. Well, got six years. (laughs) I just want to reiterate that playing the role of Polly is not an easy role to play because he's not exactly the most likable. But it's she does such a great job.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. What, what, what more can you say about Burt Young? I mean, he, he, he won. Well, I don't think he won. He was nominated for uh, yes for best supporting actor for the first Rocky. I mean, I feel like every year that these movies came out, if he was in it, he should have been nominated. I mean, he's just, he's that good and that believable. And the character to me represents Rocky's, not Rocky's past, but yeah, basically Rocky's roots, Rocky, where Rocky came from. And the fact, like you mentioned it, like you nailed it, like he, he never changed throughout the entire franchise. He stayed that same guy. Yeah. Like he didn't let, you know, his friend's money change him. He didn't try to really, you know what I mean? Like try to act like something that he wasn't. And I think that that is a representation of of rocky's roots and rocky not forgetting the neighborhood yeah, right you know like, so even, to speak
1: and you know let's not forget rocky you know th- doesn't exactly have a very polished background i mean he was working for mob. Right. you know he probably did a lot of things he probably committed a lot of crimes you know absolutely and the way when you see polly's behavior especially in this movie like it just shows like you know Rocky didn't come from the most colorful place I'll leave right, game. right.
0: right. And he's meant to be that reminder. You know what I mean? That said, he's like incredibly likable in like a like a comedic way. yeah, like they found a they found a really good way to use a powerful character like that, but at the same time make him comic relief without making him a total buffoon. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and 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 that's what I really like about that character.
1: Yeah, and I, they they kind of made him a buffoon in Rocky Four. Um,
0: well, yeah, you know, <laughs> by by like that time, the with the robot. <laughs> <and that?
1: Yeah. laughs> by the way, Mark, have you watched the Rocky Four director's cut yet?
0: I haven't watched it yet. Okay, no.
1: Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me know when you do. Okay. Yeah. So next one. Okay, progressing over to Mickey. Um, sadly, this was the movie where. No pun intended, Mickey bit the dust. Um, But that was a very pivotal point in the franchise. You know, Rocky loses, not only that he loses the belt, but he loses his manager, his trainer. Like, you know, the only thing I didn't really quite understand, I still can't grasp on it, and this is, I think, the perfect opportunity to talk about it. (laughs) Why... Did Mickey try harder to pursue Rocky to like not like, why did he pursue Rocky to go back to the old gym? Why did, why did Mickey give in to Rocky to let him have that, that extravagant setting and that extravagant gym? Like why? That's the one thing I don't, I can't comprehend is why did Mickey allow that to happen? Right. I, I just feel like, you know, based on what we've seen from the first two movies, like he would never let that fly. I mean, yeah, he said, "Come on, Rock, let's go back to the old gym. Let's get the blood, sweat, and tears in this." Gym. Right. And then he's like, "Go, oh, come on, Mick, let's go out in style." And like, right. I just, I'm just surprised that Mick lit that slide.
2: Yeah, I think it was kind of like an unwritten thing to where, you know, he kind of knew, you know, let let's give him a taste of this so he can appreciate more where he came from when he realizes this isn't all what it's cracked up to be. You know, so maybe maybe it was kind of like a life lesson he had to learn on his own because he realized he wasn't gonna just do it because he said to do it. You know.
1: Yeah, that's a right. good point. Uh, I never thought of it that way, but that's a good observation, Joe. Sometimes you come out with that left hook, Joe, and you just <laughs> every once in a while. <laughs> Mark, what do you got on Mick? Because I've always I've always wondered that. But anyway, anything want to add to to Mick?
0: So. <sighs> It's tough because I I tend to agree with you, you know, when he was adamant about not training him, you know, for this fight at the beginning, he was laying out all the reasons why Rocky shouldn't fight this guy. You know, he's hungry. You're not hungry. He's he's a bulldozer with a wrecking ball attached. Like he was saying, you know, he he was basically laying out like you know, all of the reasons why this would end in tragedy. And yet when he kind of like gives in, he sees Rocky not even taking it seriously and not even, you know, really trying.
1: Yeah. Cause remember, he's like, Hey, can I get a picture? And he's like, rock, what are you doing? You
0: know? Right. You know, you see his frustration, but he's not the Mickey from the first one that you know, gave up Rocky's locker to somebody else because he's like, he sees the potential in, but, but he just clearly wants to be a bomb. So here, like now, you know, now you don't have a locker anymore. Like he should have been that Mickey in that moment. Okay. You know what I mean? But, but yeah, for whatever reason they, you know, he just kind of lets him do what he's going to do up into the, up into the point where he's, needing to up into the point that he's about to fight clubber you know what i mean so it is a little bit out of character and i have scratched my head about that myself i have a hard time kind of rationalizing that but it doesn't ruin the movie
1: yeah it doesn't ruin the movie at all and one thing i do like though is um now going into the fight stallone didn't listen well obviously he was bothered because you know he was having the heart attack and he probably wasn't thinking straight but stallone didn't listen to his advice Mickey said, in order to beat this guy, do not stand toe-to-toe with him. Wear right. him down. Take take it to him. Take him to the, you know, what they say in boxing, the deep water. Go the water. distance. Yeah, mm-hmm. the deep water, the late rounds. Tire him down, then take him out, which, you know, is a tactic that Ali always did. But, like, right. But that was just it. Like, he didn't listen to him. He went toe-to-toe and found out the hard way. You're not going to go toe to toe against a bigger, stronger, more ferocious man. It just not going to work. Um, obviously, Rocky didn't listen. Um, and it's funny, uh, Apollo adopted the same thing, but his strategy, the big difference between Apollo's strategy and Mickey's strategy, Mickey said, don't go toe to toe with them, take them deep into the deep rounds. Apollo's strategy was, don't go toe to toe with them, but take them out fast.
0: Knock them out early. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're gonna have to like take him out early because there's no way, no way you're gonna last 15 rounds against a man that size. But yeah, right. but Mick, but Mick was right though. Mick was like, you know, don't stand toe to toe with him because you're not gonna be able to. You're just not gonna be able to do it. So, but yeah, it was just, it was, but, but still, some of my favorite Mickey moments was was the the Thunderlips fight. Just, <laughs> just the, how much you think he eats? He's like, wait, another another funny line. Why is he, why are they carrying him? He's walking. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, just, Mickey was so good. Props to Burgess Meredith. I, he was a very tre- tremendous actor. Tremendous actor. Yeah, right absolutely. Whether he was the Penguin or Mickey, it don't matter. He was tremendous. And, um, yeah, and that death scene's hard to watch. It really is. It really it
0: is. is. Yeah. It
1: is. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the low point of the movie, but it's necessary, and again, part of the dramatization. Uh, so I just mentioned Apollo earlier. So Apollo, now Apollo has a very interesting uh, character arc now. Um, so Apollo Creed, no longer champion, uh, but he's still in the public eye. He's he's in good spirits. You know, he's still involved in boxing. He may not be fighting, but he's doing commentary. He's still promoting fights. Um, and, you know, we just talked about it earlier. When he met uh, Clubber, he want, that was the moment where he wanted to train Rocky. And it was just, you know, definitely a fascinating watch to see go from Apollo the fighter to Apollo the trainer. Um, And the thing you can appreciate in this movie is we actually get a deeper look at his origins, you know, right. his Los Angeles setting, the the the, the 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 gym that he trained in with Duke's Duke's gym with Duke, yep. yeah. So we kind of get more of the Apollo Creed backstory in this movie too, and it's it's awesome. Uh, Mark, what do you got?
0: Same, you know, like you know, one of my favorite scenes in in this movie is sort of the reveal, right? So right you know when when uh when when apollo just kind of comes out of the shadows to talk to rocky about about train, you know about letting him train him and stuff like that like that was completely not expected like the first time that i saw it and just the idea that you know your greatest opponent now wants to train you and wants to make you better you know what I mean? Like that just spoke volumes to me as a kid. Um, I still love that about the character. I I love that. I love that reversal. Do you know what I mean? Like after watching the first two Rocky movies, um, I think that he's really, really well played by Carl Weathers, um, in, in this, you know, um, and, uh, you know, every, I, I just echo everything that you said about this, about this character, you know, and also just like the scenes where they actually show his frustration, you know, yes. like, like when he's trying to get Rocky, like pull him out of his depression, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's. He's in the gym, he's trying to get him to like move, and Rocky just like not feeling it. And you see like the disappointment on his face, but he just keeps trying. You know, you it's know. just like those little subtle, those little subtleties that Carl Weathers just like throws in there is just really, really, really well done. And I really like the character here.
1: And I also like the fact going back to you talk about that scene in the shadows, where he's just like, um, when you beat me. I wanted nothing from nobody, not even my kids, not even my wife. I was sick to my stomach. I, I hated the fact that I lost to you. And yep. then, he sees where, then he sees himself in Rocky. He sees Rocky in that same position and he's like, and he doesn't want Rocky to go through what, what he went through when he lost. Right. And, and then, plot twist, he helps Rocky win the title back just so he can get him in the ring one more time, but with nobody in private. Right,
0: right. (laughs) And I like that they did it that way, and I love the ending. I love how it just ends with, there's just them, just like each throwing a punch, and both punches you know are gonna land. So you have no idea who actually won the fight. That was the way to end. And
1: we did not know who won the fight until 2015. (laughs) (laughs) we found out in 2015 that it was creed that won the fight right Um, absolutely which by the way is one of my favorite scenes in uh in creed where you know where dinos like well so who won the fight he did Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah
0: just yeah just no nothing else he did
1: and and apollo just just he didn't that's what i love about Apollo. apollo didn't want the fame he didn't want the belt he didn't want the attention he just wants to know. Okay, could I beat this guy one more time?
0: yeah that's it.
1: That's cool. Cool little we'll reveal that we. It's a cool piece of uh Rocky history that we get in Creed. Mm-hmm. God, I hope when Creed Three comes out, we get more little nuggets that we learn yeah. about the characters. Yeah, there.
0: absolutely. All
1: right, and real quick, we don't have to spend long on the on the next one, but Duke. Um, I like the fact that we see more of Duke. You know you know duke's gym and one of my favorite lines of rocky three where duke is like man it was pain in the ass you know working against you now we get to work with you finally <laughs> right <laughs> absolutely love it um but yeah again love tony burton's performance i love the fact um you know, again, I, just, I love seeing the, tra- the you know the training scenes. It's just fantastic. I you know, you know, stick and move, rock stick and move. You know, just <laughs> it, it's just cool. I, I I like the character Duke. I know I know, Apollo was really the one. I know Apollo was, was doing a lot of the training, the promotion. But let's not let let's give Duke some of the credit. Duke had his hand in the training too. So Mm -hmm. absolutely. And it was Duke that trained Apollo. And it was and then it was both Duke and Apollo that trained Rocky, you know? So it was cool that we got to see more of Duke's character. We got to see his gym. And, you know, again, fantastic performance from uh, Tony Burton. May he rest in peace.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've I've always been a fan of Tony Burton in these movies. I thought he was fantastic in the first movie, even though it was just that one major scene um but i like that that as time progressed he became more and more prominent in these movies this movie in particular like is sort of the origin of what i would consider to be like the rocky family right like like you know rocky apollo duke paulie like like all of them together like on the same team you know what i mean and then going forward that's what it was you know like and so um yeah, I really appreciate him in this. Um, you know, I wish I kind of wish we got a little bit more of his backstory throughout the series, you yeah. know, like and 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 uh, maybe we'll get that in the future. Maybe we'll get some kind of prequel or something, but I would love to to hear more about Duke as a younger as a younger fighter and like uh, you know, how he obtained the gym and that yes. kind of thing. So, Same with Mickey. I, I just I think, really I love think the I a,
1: a Duke prequel and a Mickey prequel. De- yeah. Definitely
0: a Mickey prequel. That yeah. that that needs to happen.
1: Yes. Now, yeah. Joe, I want to get you involved because I know you're chopping at the bit. Thunderlips in the flesh, <laughs> the ultimate male versus the ultimate meatball. Joe, go ahead. Your thoughts on the the ultimate male and Thunderlips?
2: Oh, the Thunderlips stuff was just was just great because you knew where Hulk Hogan was around that time. And you know how famous he was getting and everything, and it just translated so well into this film. Even though they gave him a new, a new name in this one, you know who who it was. Right. So there was no denying what you were looking at, and it was it was just it was just a great scene overall. And to his uh, reaction to you know it actually being like staged and everything was was great too, because you know. I think he re- pretty much really thought it was a real fight in the beginning and then realized, you know, this, uh, yes, it's just for charity, but, you know, he expected it to be more than what it ended up being.
1: And also, I just want to credit, like, I feel like, obviously, we all remember the Hollywood Hogan days where, where he turned heel. Right. Yeah, I mean, before he turned heel, he was the all American good guy, you know, this, this, and mm-hmm. that. Thunderlips was not so. Right, I think you could kind of like thank the character of Thunderlips to to where we got Hollywood Hogan. Yeah, um,
3: <laughs>
1: I, I I know Hulk Hogan's had his bullshit moments. You know, we're not gonna deny that, but uh but his God, let's just say that Hulk Hogan's not Hulk Hogan without Rocky. I know that he was still up and coming. He was big, but this movie put him over the top. And I just think he was the perfect adversary to Rocky just for, just for the comedic on top of that. I just want a big shout out before Batman was got his back broke by Bane. Hulk Hogan (laughs) broke Rocky's back. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, yeah, I I mean, there's not much to say about his character, but my god, that's such a fun scene. And the ulti- we get the ultimate leg drop, you know. and yeah. then just <sighs> Real quick, uh, Mark, we kind of touched on it a little uh, a while ago, but mm-hmm. when Stallone met um, Hulk Hogan, and Stallone just says, hey, I want you to do one of your wrestling and slap moves on me. He goes, I don't think that's a good idea right he's like i don't want to hurt you and but he goes no no i insist and he does it and does knocks slone through the fucking floor and then Stallone yeah gets up and says you're it now yeah mark was there i'm leaning on you for this one was there anybody else considered besides hulk hogan that you know of or do you not know
0: i don't think that there was um i know that um rocky I keep saying Rocky, but uh, I know that Sly wanted uh, Hulk Hogan for this, and uh, you know Hulk accepted at the um, at the forbiddance Vince McMahon Sr. He actually was was uh, fired from the World Wrestling Federation for taking the role. And it wasn't until after the success of the film that he was actually allowed to come back. And then that was sort of the, the sort of the beginning of Hulkamania. Like I feel I, like you you kind of hit it right when you said that he's the Hulkamania never would have happened without Rocky three. It's true. Like like when he left and did that movie and then that wound up being, even though it's a small part, it wound up being like uh, like a seriously memorable part of the movie, like that actually put him on the map. And, and so- I think that
2: was the beginning of the other wrestlers going into movies, like Andre the Giant and- Exactly.
0: Um, Roddy movie Piper, movie. yep. Yeah. Zeus. Mm-hmm. Zeus. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, <laughs> another thing I want to point out too real quick is, uh, I, you just mentioned that Vix McMahon fired him uh vince mcmahon to, to this day vince mcmahon and hulk hogan still had bad blood like there is a right. lot of ugly history between those two um joe mm-hmm. you, know, you remember back in the day hogan knows bass we used to watch that oh yeah there were there were episodes where like he, when he had his meetings with vince mcmahon he wasn't having him, like <clears throat> i mean i understand vince was very like he's very certain possessive with his the wrestlers he signs, I understand. I actually understand Vince's right. perspective, perspective, but ultimately Hulk Hogan made the right decision doing the movie. Uh, right, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, let me say this:
2: that without Hulk Hogan doing this movie, we would have never got the thing that The Rock has right now. Oh yeah, the, you know, this, this is was the pressing. right off of right. Hulk Hogan's career for most of it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and you know we also saw hulk hogan now that he, he became larger life in the 80s but you know we had mr nanny we had no holds no holds barred still holds up let me just say it. no holds barred, yeah. is still a good movie uh but suburban, commando. Nanny, suburban commando yeah, suburban was... commando yes <laughs> and you know? yeah so so yeah like joe said this was the beginning of rustlers turn actors and whatever even though hulk hogan didn't really um change for the role any role he played he was yeah yeah
0: Yeah. he just played a taller version of himself
1: yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) well i just love the thunder lip scene i just think it's just so over the unnecessary but so over the top i love it i can't help it it's just so goddamn entertaining i cannot wait to watch it with you guys on saturday
0: yeah absolutely
1: and finally best for last everybody oh by the way i'm sorry let me just show you some of these pictures of uh so I got so caught up on everything, I forgot to flash the pictures here, but there's some uh, great <laughs> shots of uh, Thunder Lips and the Rocky scene here. Oh, God, it's just so iconic. You know, there you go. There's the slap. <laughs> I And that's one thing I want to know. Was that Stallone or was that a body double? That, was Stallone really taking those beatings or is that a body double that, um, that Stallone had? They, I, 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 believe,
0: mean, I believe it was a body double. I mean, um, and the reason why I say that is because Originally, Frank Stallone was gonna be the double for him, oh, and okay. and when uh, I guess when they were doing like the blocking and stuff, um, Hulk was like like hurting people, like yeah. he was just like taking well, it, a it a little too serious.
1: Man, that size! I mean, even when he goes light, you know, it's still can't gonna fucking hurt. A man, that I mean, like, absolutely say, six foot eight, three hundred and fifty pounds, like like yeah, they don't call him Hulk for, him for nothing. Yeah. Right, um, right. And so, yeah, so to that protect a- his brother. I, uh, so that yeah. Just to show how great uh, director Stallone is, that he's able to film that and make it look believable that you can't even tell it's a body double. I mean, I couldn't yeah. tell. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I maybe maybe my eyes aren't as trained as, as well trained as other people, but to me, that that body double looked a lot like Stallone. Just saying.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, and it may very well be, but I I tend to think that it was a double because there was always a plan for it to be the double, and Frank Stallone was supposed to be that person.
1: All right, makes sense. And finally, we'll end this part on the high note. Clubber leg. My God, the ultimate. Rocky Villain, probably the most memorable Rocky Villain, if you want to even call him a villain. But my god, Clubber Lang. I mean, what more can you say, Mr. T? Um, Again, going back to the opening montage that just tells us everything we need to know about the character. He comes from the streets of Chicago, and he's just... He's, he, all he knows is this. That's all he right. knows, and he wants the title. And, yeah, dude. Just the... Just His trash talking, his one-liners, his, just, his, his, like, the, the way he just captures every moment on screen, like, he, his screen, he makes the most of his screen time, the way he talks, the, the, the way, it's just, you gravitate toward him, you can't help, you love him, he's the ultimate badass, and, like, part of me just, part of me just loves watching him destroy rocky in that first fight i don't know why as much as i love yeah. rocky i i get my kicks off and i just see him destroy rocky because it's just like damn like he was just letting that all that aggression out and like yeah i mean i don't know what else to add that hasn't been already said so i'll let you guys go
0: <laughs> yeah i mean you, you know i think you nailed it like for me i i like to pretend like you know, I'm looking back at like behind the scenes and I, I can, I can imagine like Stallone and whoever else just telling Mr. T just go to work. You know what I mean? Like, don't like act, just be yourself. Like, I feel like that's who he was in 1982 and all of the, all of the hardships that Mr. T had to like endure, like before then and like, like all of the, you know, all of the, uh, all the fights that he had to to deal with when he, was a boun- when he was a bouncer for real, when people would try to take his jewelry and all that stuff. I feel like he just like let all that out in those scenes. Like, you know what I mean? Even though we're, they were just blocked, you know what I mean? He made all of that look super real. Like he was just kind of being himself.
1: And I, I wish I had time to put the footage in here. I wanted to, I was trying to, I didn't have enough time to put some of the behind the scenes of the fight choreography. But perhaps to Mr. T, just like Carl Weathers before him, someone who's never really boxed as a professional before, the, mm-hmm. f- the fact that he was able to look so natural doing it, and right. just credits to both Stallone and, and Mr. T that they that they made the Clubber Lang character believable, like his style of fighting, where Apollo Creed fought like Ali, used his distance, you know, Mr. T came in like Joe Frazier and George Foreman, like, or right or is, to help people better understand Mike Tyson. But this was before right. Mike Tyson. But Clubber Lang is basically what Mike Tyson was before Mike Tyson. He was absolutely. A, he was just a, a, a force that just came at you, a bullet right. fighter with power, exactly with power, and the size difference between him and Stallone is incredible. Like Jesus Christ, Mr. T was a goddamn tank. By the way, happy belated birthday to Mr. T, who turned 70 on Saturday. 70 years old, yep. That's right. So that right. would have made him 30, well, 29 when they filmed this movie. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Just, just an incredible, like, a man who was a bouncer. Like I said, Carl Weathers was a, a linebacker. Mr. Yeah. T was a bouncer. The fact that Stallone was able to make these men look like believable boxers, it's just and it's incredible yeah. to their talent and incredible to uh, Stallone's talent as well. Absolutely. So what do you think, guys? We'll open up the floor for a minute. We'll call it a night.
0: Yeah, yeah. sounds good to me. All right,
1: guys. So, yeah, that's breakdown of all the Rocky characters. Listen, just real quick, shameless plug before we open up the floor here. Please join us this Saturday as it's going to be our Rocky Three watch party. And joining us is the mighty Titan Goji, the mighty Dion McGill of Off Beaten Podcast, as well as the incredible man of many voices, Matthew Fardon joining us on this awesome-ass watch party, Rocky 3, this Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you don't own the movie, that's okay, because guess what? It's streaming on HBO Max. Join us Saturday as we dig deep even further and just get our kicks off and just hang out with you guys, let your nuts hang out, and enjoy the movie. It's going to be a good time. (laughs) this coming Saturday. uh, Please be there. And Joe, real quick, tell them about tomorrow
2: tomorrow we go back to donkey kong country 2 finale time we will be beating it we're starting at nine o'clock tomorrow yeah, night nine
1: o'clock yeah we're starting at nine o'clock because we're almost done with the game so
2: yeah and if we if we have if we have time left over we can we can open it up and talk with you guys yeah. we can play we a one-off sure. whatever
1: all right guys so i see shay smithers doomzilla scott back uh justin fleming thanks for coming in guys uh you guys got any questions or comments let us know what's your favorite scenes, man. We'll hang out, we'll hang out for a few minutes longer. What do you guys? Uh, no,
2: we got one already. It's a, a, a uh, Shay says, how how do you guys think an Apollo Creed versus Clever Lang fight would have gone down?
1: That's a good one. Uh, Mark, you take that question first. I need, I need a minute to think. I think Apollo
0: still would've, would've come out on top just because he was the better strategist. And I think that he understood like he he understood that even though Clubber was probably bigger and more powerful and younger, he 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 had the strategy in order to beat him. You know what I mean? And and his strategy would have worked if it if it if it came down to him because he's clearly the 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 smarter and more experienced fighter. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, my only take on that is I agree. I do think I will definitely say this: Apollo in his prime definitely beats. Um Clubber Lang. Clubber. Just because mm-hmm. Apollo Creed's got the size and the distance to keep the larger man at bay, again, his distance, you know, that Floyd Mayweather, Muhammad Ali style, yeah, you know, defensive exactly. fighting would've mm-hmm. would have worked. My only thing is uh an old Apollo Creed, would he would he, he had enough stamina to keep Clubber away from him for X amount of rounds? I don't know. That's so, the
0: only caveat, because we're talking about a five-year break, too, yes. right? Like, like even though those movies are only, uh, like, three years apart, yeah. like, it's really meant to be five years. Yeah. And so, if Rock, if, if Apollo's been retired for five years, and, you know, Clubber's, like, new on the scene, you know, he's, like, up and coming, he's clearly younger, and he's been at it for all this time. While Apollo has not, yeah. and so yeah, so you, so that would be like the only thing where I'd be like, eh, maybe. Okay, so, I think, so I think
1: I think the fair answer is a prime a, Apollo Creed in this prime wins hands down, but at, at that moment in time in Rocky Three, Clubber, I think Clubber would eventually catch up to Creed and KO him. I just think, right? I just think Apollo wouldn't have enough stamina to keep him off for seven, eight, nine, ten rounds. I think right. Apollo gets his rounds in. Don't get me wrong. Apollo but eventually, the bigger man's going to get close to him and it's over. That's how I see it. Agreed.
2: Uh, now, now, here's something I actually have to ask because I haven't, haven't been able to watch the Creed movies yet. So, let's change that. I'm going to have to catch up on that. But, uh, but
1: you're, you're, you know what's a good is, thing? Creed 3 comes out in November, Joe. So you got, exactly. so you got yeah. till November to watch Creed 1 and Creed 2.
2: Yeah. Now, with Creed 1 and Creed 2, they don't have any, like, uh, children of Clever Lang in there, do they, or do they not? No, no they don't. So that brings me to my next point, is what would be awesome, considering this is Creed 3, you know, Rocky 3, Creed 3, it's almost like an anniversary type thing, it would be cool to see Apollo's son fight Clever Lang's son and see what happens.
1: Well, so apparently the villain is... Played by Jonathan Majors, but we don't know who he is. We don't know yeah. if it is Clubber's son or not. I don't know. Right. We just know that it's Jonathan Majors. By the way, he's fucking jacked. Holy shit. Oh bullshit. yeah holy shit yeah you saw those pictures like he's yoked.
0: <laughs> yeah but he always has been like if you watch like Lovecraft Country or like yeah. some of the other like things other properties that he's been in like yeah he's always been like a behemoth yeah. um and so this is kind of like a perfect fit for him in, you know in terms of his a- athleticism this would be a this is going to be like a good uh test of, of that
1: yeah, see, yeah. Uh, not to spoil Creed 2 for you, Joe, but Creed 2 gives Drago a proper send off. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, I kind of roughly know what it's about. I just haven't yeah, seen yeah, it Yeah, but we mm-hmm. don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know what Clubber Lang's doing right now at this point in time. The only thing I can tell mm-hmm. you is that originally in Rocky 6, uh, Mr. T was supposed to be the commentator for the final fight there, but he turned it down because like i said right he's still bitter. there's a beef yeah right yeah so but we don't know what's going on with the character of pupper lang where he's up to now and if he had children we don't know i mm-hmm. hope we get answers soon whether it's in creed 3 or otherwise we don't yeah. know Scott says uh, we don't need to bring back the past. Donnie needs fresh stories, which is true. I I, I agree. Yeah, with like, like really? I'm not
2: saying that we should make it a final fight or the whole entire movie about that. I'm just mm-hmm. saying it would be nice to you know touch on this yeah, fight happening. I hope or I hope yeah. they yeah. touch on the
1: character. I I would be okay if they at least touch yeah. on the character. Um, yeah, some kind of reference to him. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and and I know like early on, like you know when we first started the podcast and we did like a. We did a an audio only episode on Creed, yeah. and you and I kind of talked about this. I know that this is never going to happen because of the Stallone, Mr. beef, but I would love it if um, Creed, if if Donnie was actually trained by Clover in the same way that Apollo had trained Rocky.
1: That'd be awesome. You know,
0: I think personally, I think that would be the move. But yeah. you know, again, like yeah, we're not going to get that, so
1: that's all i just, mm. it's just, I, just yeah. like I just feel like drago got proper send off i just feel like miss i just feel clipper lang deserves the same send off that drago got that's just my opinion. yeah yeah um, fair enough that's just how i feel um Sorry i'm now. not gonna lose sleep if they don't um mm-hmm. I, I mean sylvester stolen if you're listening i could love to sit down with you and i could pitch you some ideas mr Stallone, if you are watching. <laughs> um if you happen to stumble across this look back <laughs> <laughs> Um, guys, any more questions? I mean, we'll, we'll we'll keep it open if you guys have more questions for us. Um, um, I guess while, while we wait for some more questions, I, I got some shameless plugs. Uh, thank you to everybody who watched my uh, Joe Blow uh, Godzilla King Kong face-off. Please check it out if you haven't already. Uh, I worked really, really hard on it. I'm really proud of it. And if you haven't already, please check out our interview with Ernie C. Uh, from Body Count. That was freaking awesome. That was so uh, much fun. And if you haven't uh, check out our latest video as well, uh, our 20th anniversary, look back at Spider-Man. Please check that out. If you haven't already, Uh, we definitely appreciate everybody being here. Um, Let's see here. Uh, And I'll say this. If if you're part of the Facebook discussion
2: group, we just did an out of theater review on top gun Maverick. So if you haven't seen that yet, go ahead and look at that.
1: (laughs) Yes. And I guess while we're on that topic, definitely check out top gun Maverick. I, I loved it. I loved it. Is it awesome. my favorite favorite movie of the year? No, but my god, is it great!
0: It's great. Oh, it's movie yeah. of the year for I me can't wait to see it. <laughs> right on,
1: right on. All right, okay. I don't know if any more questions are pouring in. Um, so Mark, I'll just get handed forward to you if you got anything you want to plug or anything you want to discuss real quick before the call ends. nightmare.
0: So yeah, so since we're since we're plugging things, um, uh, I know that we don't uh, we don't give a lot a whole lot of attention to our TikTok, but Nerdcage Live does have a TikTok channel, and uh, the three of us plus Hobbs from HMods, Mods uh, have been reviewing uh, the Halo TV series. Yes. So. You know, just, you know, just uh, if you are interested in that series, you see the kind of like what we think of it. Personally, we think that there are some high points some low points, but uh, all the videos are up there. Uh, so check them out.
1: Yes, absolutely. Also, I did, I also did a quick reaction of the mid-season finale of Better Call Saul. I'm still shaken up by it. So uh, Better Call Saul fans, you know what I'm talking about. And actually we got something real quick and I think this is, I think this is good enough to end on. Uh, Chase Smith just brings up that uh, Ray, Lu- Ray, Lue- okay. Ray Liotta Ray <laughs> yes, Liotta passed away today um, I'll just touch the real quick uh, I was shocked as far as I know it sounded like he passed away in his sleep while he was filming uh, a movie down in Brazil uh, I absolutely love the movie Goodfellas uh, the first person I texted was Fist Vegas because I know Goodfellas is one of his favorite movies so he was the first person I texted when I saw the news um but yeah, 67. That's. God, I think it scares me. Is that that's like my parents' age, so yeah. yeah it's just, it's, that's why I kind of find disturbance. Like, oh my God, all these big names are dying at the same age as my parents are. You know, so so I, I get shaken mm-hmm. up a little bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I, again, I, I can't really think of an, ex, an extensive body of work. But the first one I think of is Goodfellas. Absolutely loved Good Falls, and man, did he make that movie. Some of his lighter stuff, like Absolutely. Wild Hogs, you know.
0: Sure, Corina Uh, You know, I think he was, you know, even though a lot of people did not like this movie, uh, I personally liked it, and I think that he was probably the best part. Uh, Many Saints of Newark, uh, you know, he played yes. two roles in them, and yep. he was fantastic in both. You know, a lot of people don't know this about Ray Liotta, but um, he was actually Tim Burton's first choice to play Bruce Wayne uh, when the Batman movie was coming out. Um, He um, saw him uh, at I think he was on. He was on some soap opera. I think it was Days of Our Lives. Maybe it was like one of those like old school like uh, soap operas. And he was very um, impressed with his level of intensity, his look. He thought he had the right look, the right physicality, and uh, and he wanted him to play uh, Bruce Wayne. And what for whatever reason, uh, Ray Liotta turned it down, and uh, and we wound up with Michael Keaton, which I'm. Perfectly happy with. <laughs> he was Absolutely. he was a great
2: person. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yeah, I, I I guess that's a good note to end it on. Uh, Joe, do you got anything to add uh, before we call it a night here?
2: Uh, I think you guys covered pretty much everything.
1: Okay. And real quick, just want to re- reiterate, regurgitate real quick. Tomorrow we'll be on Twitch playing Donkey Kong Country at 9 o'clock. Or Donkey Kong Country 2, excuse me, at 9 o'clock. We're going to be finishing it up. But, yes, again, if you guys still need to get your Rocky Three fixed, we're not done because... Saturday is the actual anniversary of Rocky 3 and we're going to be doing the uh, watch party, uh, again, with our dear friends Dion McGill, Titan Goji, and Matthew Fardin. Can't wait. Again, one of our favorite movies of all time as a collective here, and we just cannot wait to watch it live together. We'll probably go a little deeper, you know, kind of add to this look back when we do this watch party. Um, so, again, thank you very much, Mark Withers, for Bringing the strength of geek knowledge like you always do, and Joe, thanks for uh, staying on top of the chat, moderating the topics and all yeah. that good stuff. Um, and again, we ask you to free, please like, comment, subscribe, ring that bell, and spread that shit like so. So, the USA, safe from yours truly, Syracuse, New York, to, uh, and Louisville, Kentucky, to all our friends and fans around the world at Nerd Cage Live. As always, enjoy life, stay safe, eat your vegetables, do your push ups. And good night. Sayonara. Good night. Ooh, trying
0: to get out of the Nerd Cage, are ya? Well, before you go, hit that subscribe button. And if you're really intrigued, ring that bell. Thank you for dropping by. Until next time, tell everyone you know about
3: Nerd Cage Live! Ah! Wah, 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 wah!